Hi, I'm Maria Theoharis or VeloSos on social media. Welcome back to the final Sow Over 50 podcast for this year on So Organised Style. Grab a kappa or your seasonal beverage of choice and relax with us. On So Organised Style podcast, I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast and pay respects to the elders past and present. Thanks to the wonderful podcast patrons of So Organised Style Podcast and your support that allows me to bring more Sober 50 podcasts to you every week. This episode is number 371, so thank you to the podcast patrons and the thousands of podcast listeners that tune in to So Organised Style Podcast every week. Sober 50 intersects with all communities and we're a community that is so over ageism. Adam is at the Seamsters Apprentice on Instagram and was featured recently in Sober 50 Stories. And I bet you're as excited as I am to hear from Adam today. So thank you for letting me come into your study today, Adam. How are you? I'm good. It's really nice to be here, Maria. And so I'm looking forward to our conversation. So am I. I've followed you and I know that you've had a bit of a break because you've been doing other things. Yeah. But we're going to focus on you and you can take the conversation anywhere you want to take it. Okay, cool. That sounds great. In your bio on Instagram, you describe yourself as sharing my adventures in learning how to sew and that you're inspired by the Great British Sewing Bee. Tell us your story, Adam. That's sort of right, but I've only really been sewing since about, I think, 2015 or 16 what happened was I retired from my job when I was uh, 60 because I thought I just wanted to do other things with my life in my 60s. <laughs> Sewing was no part of that. So I had other ideas about things I wanted to do. Yep. I do a lot of running and climbing and walking and stuff. And I thought, that's what I want to do. I'm a mathematician as well, or I was. And I, I thought I'd learn some more maths. So I guess six or seven years ago, I was sitting here in my study are doing something and the blinds broke and I'd been watching Great British Sewing Bee at the time and I thought well I could replace these with blinds but it might be quite cool to try a bit of sewing <laughs> and actually make some curtains and actually interestingly I think it wasn't just the Great British Sewing Bee that sort of caught my eye it was the fact that there are that year I think there were a couple of young guys on there a couple of men yeah they were quite important role models to me I don't know. I think if they hadn't been there, I'm not sure I would have made the curtains. But anyway, <laughs> I made these curtains and I really enjoyed it. I thought that really good. I, I must say, I started out thinking, how hard can curtains be? I mean, they're only rectangles and a fabric. But of course, it's a bit more tricky than that. But I made them and I thought, well, I'd like to do some more of this. Also, I was a bit fascinated by sewing machines, bizarrely. And actually, there's a there's a story my parents tell of me as a toddler. Yeah. Early one morning. So this would be in the, the 1950s. And they were exhausted in bed. And uh, I crawled into the cupboard and found the sewing machine and apparently completely dismantled it, much to their horror. So I've sort of had a lifelong association with sewing that reared its head six years ago. What happened after that was I thought, all right, it'd be really good if I could make my own clothes. Somehow I just thought, hmm. So I thought, what is the simplest thing I could make? And so I went for a T-shirt. Well, you know, if you've not done any sewing, it's not very easy to make a T-shirt. You know, I didn't appreciate stretch fabric and stuff. 
So I got a pattern and I got some cheap jersey fabric and I basically slogged through this pattern, not really knowing what I was doing. But anyway, I, you know, after a, sort of a bit of a struggle, <laughs> I produced this T-shirt that sort of fitted, but I wouldn't show it to anybody today. It's a nightmare. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not well made. On the other hand, at the time, it was really important. It was really sort of empowering thing to do. Yeah. And I, I mean, I knew I hadn't done it particularly well, but I just thought, you know, you, you had an idea and you produced this thing. So then I I can't really remember what happened, but I got obsessed. I've got a sort of naturally obsessive personality. So, you know, I started sewing basically every day. In fact, for my 60th birthday, I, I was using a, an old sewing machine. And for my 60th birthday, I got a new sewing machine. So that, that was quite good as well. I just kept doing it. And the more I did, the sort of more actual personal satisfaction I got from it. And the better I got and the more complicated the clothes that I made got. I mean, there was another more personal side to all this as well. Unfortunately, six years ago, my uh, kid sister died of, um, basically, of cancer. Sorry to hear that. So this was all going on at the same time. <laughs> and the thing about uh, my sister, Sarah, was she had mental illness all her life, severe mental illness, basically a form of manic, severe manic depression. And she was a great believer in the role of creativity around mental health. And she set up something called the Dragon Cafe in London, which is based in the crypt of a church in part of London called Borough. And it opened its doors probably 10 years ago now, before she died. She set it up with a charity called the Mental Fight Club. It does two things. It's a cafe. It opens once a week and it opens its doors to anybody. And people come and, you know, they do all sorts of stuff, painting, acting, poetry, you know, it was quite inspiring to me to see her do that after, well, I've been being in a terrible state for many years. And uh, it still goes today, I'm pleased to say. But anyway, the point being, well, I'm learning from what she taught me. She lives on in me, really, or by me or on my shoulder when I do all this stuff. What she's right about is that, you know, sewing or anything creative, actually, is I find it really um, helpful in sustaining one's mental well-being. But I think actually what I was doing for the first two or three years was just working through my grief, actually, of, of what had happened. Anyway, uh, six years later, I'm, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's still an important part of my life, but I am I think I'm not quite so obsessive about it. And, uh, you know, I've got another project on, which is building a sewing room in my garden. Because <laughs> <laughs> the trouble is, the trouble is, Maria, it all started by accident. And uh, I'm camped out in our dining room. And as time has gone on, I've sort of spread out. <laughs> I know that feeling. And the dining room yeah, has sort of been completely hijacked with all sorts of sewing paraphernalia. I also do quite a bit of drawing and painting. And so I do it there. And so it's all getting a bit cramped. So I'm, I'm breaking out for freedom into the garden. But it's um, rather halted my sewing temporarily because of taking up my whole creative bandwidth at the moment <laughs> so adam you started doing your first sewing project because yeah. a curtain fell mm. where you were sitting and now you need another room for your sewing so you're building that room yes i am yes that's exactly right <laughs> i love those things if you need something you're going to do it 
<laughs> yes, yeah. I know as much about building a garden room as I knew about sewing <laughs> all those years ago. The trouble is the budget a bit more and and the risk a bit higher. I mean, it's not much of a risk. It's... Yes, so that's the story. I mean, I think the other thing it's worth saying that links the two is that, well, I am a, a emeritus professor of mathematics at the University of Southampton. During my career, I was sort of senior management at the university. Part of my responsibilities was the estate of the university. So I got involved in building buildings with huge price tags on. And I really loved it. I just absolutely adored doing it because it's a sort of creative thing again. I mean, on a huge scale and very complicated. It has something in common with sewing, which is it it does something that really fires me up over and above the things I've said, is it sort of brings together what I would call my sort of creative artistic side with my more mathematical rational side yeah and so sewing projects are just like building projects in many ways and what's even better about sewing projects is I get to do everything whereas you know if you're building a building you have an architect and you have a quantity surveyor and a structural engineer and I can be all those things for my uh, my projects and Actually, some of the things I learned about buildings, I sort of applied to sewing, actually, as well, and building garden rooms. <laughs> I've got a question. A lot of people, when they're sewing, taking measurements for their bodies yes. is more than just taking a measurement. It is very emotional for a lot of people when they have yes. to increase sizes or decrease sizes. Yes. yes. As yes. a meritus professor in mathematics. Yeah. yeah measuring yourself i know this is a long bow the measurements that you take for sewing or for buildings are they just numbers for you or do they mean something else well that's a really interesting question well they do no i don't think they're just numbers as i think i mentioned earlier i I do a lot of running so i'm very lucky and again there's another story there but basically i lost a lot of weight about 15 years ago because i needed to sort my life out yeah. And I started running and I've been running ever since. You know, it stabilizes you. <laughs> it does. You can eat lots of cake and your body measurements don't change. And there is an interesting thing, which is sort of tangential to your question, is that when I went through that sort of trauma, probably midlife crisis, if I'm frankly honest, and I needed to turn my life around and, and lose weight, what I noticed is. The way you see other people is very much is very, very much through the lens of your own body shape. <laughs> it's very odd. So when I was, you know, several stone heavier, yeah, I could relate to people who had that body shape. But now I'm pretty thin and lean. To be honest, people look bigger than they did before. I, I hadn't hadn't appreciated that, but your subjective views of other people and how they look, I think, mm-hmm. is very much filtered or framed by how your own body shape and how you feel about it. I don't know, I, you know, I'm a bloke who didn't really give a damn about what I looked like. <laughs> when I lost weight, and, and particularly now with sewing, I care a bit more. And then my wife would say I don't care enough, but, you know, I'm certainly more aware of it, which, you know, I think is a really nice bit of, really good bit of learning from life, actually. Yeah, it is. Go on. So your very first project for your T-shirt, yeah. At the time, was that because you needed a T-shirt for running? It was simply because I just thought, and rather naively, that's the simplest piece of clothing I could make. I, I make loads of stuff, and I'm I'm not really motivated. It's not entirely true. 
but I'm more interested in in making it than wearing it. So I make stuff I don't wear really, or wear very infrequently, just because I'm interested in how to make it. So, so I would think probably only half of what I wear I wear regularly. So, for example, one of my goals after I made the T-shirt was I thought it'd be really good if I could make men's shirts because that really looked hard. And it is difficult. It's mm. not easy. Anyway, after a year, I can't remember, a year or two, I got around to making a shirt. So I went through a phase of making lots of shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like wearing shirts. They're all in the cupboard next door. <laughs> but he wanted to experience the construction, so you did. Yes, yeah. So I'm very curious about things. So I, yeah, I wanted to experience. I wanted to know how it was done. I wanted to see if I could do it well. Yeah. And also, you know, the sort of thing that happens, it happened on shirts in particular, is I started using pattern fabric. And so then you have all the pattern matching across the front and stuff. And Oh, yeah. You know, it's just very satisfying getting all that done and putting it on even if I never wear it again you just think well that's pretty good <laughs> I'm pleased I did that <laughs> that is feeding your curiosity it is yeah so I, I mean I know I'm a very curious person and got lots of interests and, and I'm obsessional and so those things go to sewing but I mean I think the the really talking about mental health aspects I mean the whole process of sewing is sort of zen-like really or it can be it wasn't at the beginning it was rushing in dashing in doing it the sewing project isn't really about sewing it's about I have an idea for a garment mm-hmm. think about it I probably research it I now will then think about the fabrics you know the sort of what's it going to look like I think about the structure so, you know I'm probably thinking about a garment for a month or two beforehand before I actually do it and I mean these days I well if I use a pattern it's only only as a starting point again because well the whole thing about patterns there's a whole thing there but <laughs> it's much more interesting to make your own patterns or create them than get a pattern and just follow the instructions which I almost never do now well I think you know you've probably done enough shirts so you know the order of construction and it would just be style that you're looking at yeah, no, indeed. And it's very freeing when you've got, I think I've got to the point where I've got the basic technical skills and knowledge. And it allows you to be more creative, which I particularly like. Um, but it's taken, you know, five or six years to get to this point. <laughs> and lo- lots of mistakes, lots of mistakes, you know, all, all the obvious mistakes and many more I've made. Yeah, same Ripper is your friend. Well, it's my friend anyway. Yes, no, exactly, exactly. I've, I've, Put a lot of miles into my set and my seam uh, ripper. Absolutely. Your Instagram name, The Seamster's Apprentice, how did you develop that? So there was another interesting thing that happened here. You know, as I mentioned, I fell into sewing. And although I mentioned it at passing, it was partly inspired by the great British sewing bee. But it was also there were male role models, you see, which I think tipped the balance and sort of gave me permission. So when I started to do the things I talked about at the beginning, it was quite interesting for a bloke, frankly, like me. And it's less true now, I'm pleased to say, but you're in a, a woman's world. I was looking for patterns for men, and you might find them at the back of the catalogue. But there weren't many. I thought, that's interesting. There's a sort of, I don't really like to use the word, it's all about implicit discrimination. And I thought, yeah, now I know how you know women feel about things in life. And the question is, if you're a bloke, six years ago what do you call yourself if you sew you could call yourself a sewist don't like that term i don't know it doesn't work and then it occurred to me well you know you have a seamstress so what's a male seamstress 
The only answer I could come up with was a tailor. And that's a word that's freighted with, I think, a lot of, I mean, tailors, and, and this may be my unconscious bias, are men. I mean, that's what I think of. So I thought, well, you know, if you can have seamstresses, you can have a seamster. That, that's what I came up with. So that's where the seamster bit came. The apprentice bit came from, well, I didn't know anything. I needed to learn stuff. And I sort of, having been in a quite high-powered job, I really liked the idea of being a novice and sort of being apprenticed. Not that I had anybody to be apprenticed to, but, well, I was apprenticed to Google, really. That's what I am, because that's where I learned loads of stuff. And then, of course, the seamster's apprentice is just a play on words, really. So... Uh, that's how I did it. And I set up a blog on WordPress all those years ago. You can see me working out how to sew and learning about it and also actually really working through the sort of grief I had at that time with my sister, Sarah. But I gave it up in the end just because to write those things takes a lot of time. Oh, it does. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't got a lot of time. And I think I'd probably therapeutically, I got to where I wanted. So then Instagram came along and so I switched to Instagram because it's very visual and you don't have to say so much. So it sort of gets my stuff out there. I mean, the other thing about Instagram is, I mean, it's a really lovely community of sewers out there. And I mean, so over 50, I just bumped into, I don't know how, but I thought that looks good. So I signed up. Social media has huge downsides, as we know, <laughs> but the sewing community is a very constructive and creative one and, and supportive one, which is really nice. And the other thing it did for me was that it uh, got me in touch with lots of other men around the world. Like, dare I say it, so Andrew, which I, you know, I didn't know about. And it's been really good, actually, to see loads of men take on sewing. You know, I've noticed that that really take off in the last, well, since I've been doing it. Certainly there's mm -hmm. more in 2022 than there was in 2016. And I think that's really good. I try and be an advocate for men sewing about it's hard there's quite a lot of resistance between a lot of men i know resistance to sew yeah i think it, i mean i think it comes back to this point we we're talking about you know i'm afraid it's traditionally seen as something that women do not men and i just say to them look this is engineering with really complicated structural materials that's what we're doing here you know yeah that's right Another thing, another moment that I've just remembered was in the early days. I was outside a tailor's shop in London. And one thing it had in it, it had a cutaway. So it had, I can't remember exactly, but it had the front cutaway. So you could see under the lapel, you yeah. could see all the pad stitching and all the construction underneath. Yeah. And that just reminded me of the sort of complicated structures you see in a cutaway wing of an aircraft, where you've got these composite structures to, I mean, wings are flexible as well. They have to flex. <laughs> And they have to do a very important job. And it just seemed to me tailors had sort of understood that sort of thing 500 years ago. And by the way, they were mainly men. And, you know, this is a really interesting thing. And you can be creative and you can do your engineering. And if you want, you can be really sort of scientific about it and you know, measure things accurately. And so I, I try and be an advocate, but uh, I can't say I've been successful with lots of people around me. But on the other hand, it's clearly something that's becoming more important worldwide. That's one of the things that I've been trying to do on the podcast is try and yes. get as many men who sew when I can find them. Yeah, no, it's hard. So I, I always hashtag men who sew or whatever on my Instagram posts, but, and there aren't a lot. Uh, I mean, what's great is I think I probably know most of them. <laughs> when I say no, I know of most of them. So, and, uh, you know, that's really good to see, yeah. see what they're doing. When did you discover the Sober 50 community? Because you said that you kind of bumped into them. 
I don't know. I was probably, you know, on Instagram, you put in hash so and and it gives you a list. And I probably saw you down the list. And uh, I don't know. You know, I just uh, I, I hashtagged it. And then I sort of I wouldn't say I got involved with the community, but, you know, I was obviously aware of it. And then, I mean, I don't know whether it was you or whoever runs it sort of kindly reposted stuff of mine. And uh, that's the work of Judith is... and Sandy. They do that. All oh, right. Yes. Yeah. So they may. Made... They're the ones who run Sober 50 yet. Okay, right. So, yeah, so they um, finally, trouble is, I don't really understand Instagram, but they they do these animations, which are really, really good, but I don't quite know how to deal with them. It's it's very nice of them to do that, I must say. Yeah. And it's nice to see what everybody else is doing on So Over 50 as well. I mean, the funny thing is, is I'm more than over 50. So, (laughs) as you can probably see, the listeners can't. (laughs) <laughs> nevertheless i'm over 50 <laughs> okay point taken yes <laughs> that's how it happened really i mean it's just again another accident of life and it's been a good one awesome you said that you mainly sew for yourself yes yeah is that true most of the time well it's true most of the time yes if there's one thing i sort of don't like about what i do is it's quite selfish you know i'm, I'm very lucky i've got the time to do all this but no, I do sew for other people. Well, one thing I should say is I never sew for money. I really don't want to have clients or any of that. I have made things for friends, particularly if they're things that are interesting. Again, there's your curiosity. Yeah, yeah and it's a very nice sort of thing to do for people. So I, I do have some stuff for my wife occasionally. Yeah, I've made sort of sweaters, you know, pullover fleeces and stuff for, for Katie. There's a very good friend of mine, James. He's another math professor and he teaches in Rwanda at the um, African Institute of Mathematical Sciences so he goes out there once a year and of course they have fantastic fabric out there so he brings this stuff back and then he asked me to make uh, a shirt so if you look on my Instagram you can see one or two African shirts I've made and much more interesting than making shirts for myself and with more interesting fabric and the pattern matching is absolutely really tough and really good fun to do it needs to be done in these very brightly coloured fabrics. So I've made things for him. And I suppose the other thing I got involved with was during the lockdown in COVID. I ran a group of people doing face masks and I think wash bags for the for Southampton General Hospital. That was a, a diversion. And it was you know just nice to be able to do it at the time. And they would have appreciated it too. Yeah, yeah, indeed. It was quite interesting because it involved a whole set of friends of mine who don't sew. Or don't say very much. They were motivated to do it. Some of them liked it and some of them didn't. And, you know, in the end we had a a small group and we made these things. Perhaps the most important stuff I did. So my daughter got married. After I'd made a shirt, I thought, well, what are the next things you can make? Well, the next thing I thought I could make was a suit. This is pretty serious tailoring. So I made a three-piece suit for Hannah's wedding. Uh, It took me about a year working through the whole thing. It was my third go at a suit. The first one, a bit like my T-shirt, I was very pleased to have made, but it wasn't very good. And I've got a bit better over the years. But it's a, it's a huge commitment for me to make something like that in time and energy. I made it. And uh, the funny thing was, <laughs> the really funny thing was, I thought I'd make it out of some really nice wool fabric. So I, I spent quite a lot of money on, on this rather beautiful Shetland fabric. And it was just beautiful. I mean, I could have just sort of 
hugged it all day rather than stay with it. But, you know, anyway, so I made it. And of course, her wedding was on a very hot midsummer's day. Oh, okay. <laughs> we walked up the, well, what was the aisle? And then shortly afterwards, it, the jacket itself wasn't worn because it was just sweltering in the same. <laughs> and I haven't, I haven't, basically, I haven't worn it since. But, you know, that, that was a good example of the sort of thing that will really float my boat. And I also made, for my wife, I made a jacket for her to wear with her, for her wedding outfit on that day as well. So uh, I've probably done more sewing for other people than than I'm aware of. Now I'm talking about it. There's quite a few things there that have been done, but always for personal reasons, not for any other reason. Not for money. Not for money, really just for love, not money. Yeah. You know, I spent the sort of early part of my sewing adventure on my own, learning by mistakes and using uh, Google and YouTube videos and things like that. I think through Instagram, I came across a sewing group in the New Forest, which is a national park near where I live. I contacted them and said, you know, look, I, I'm a bloke who sews. Anyway, so I I joined them. And, and it's been really good because I have sort of tried to join sewing groups in the past but the thing about this sewing group is well two things unsurprisingly I'm about the only man there that's the first thing the members are mainly women so to a very high standard and the lady who runs it is sort of lifelong sewing so I just learned so much from being part of that group of well essentially women and also I you know I like the company of women because they talk about themselves and and things that are important to life. They don't talk about football and cars and stuff, yeah. frankly, that I'm not interested in. I mean, I think it's just another aspect of sewing that beyond the sort of personal satisfaction of, that I've had from it. There are communities out there and communities where you, you can get, I mean, you can learn more about sewing and you can improve. But, you you know, it's sort of a, a shared therapeutic session with these fantastic women who are all friends of mine and who mutually support one another, which I think is just fantastic, actually. <laughs> so I'm very grateful to, uh, it's called the Garden Sewing Club, for taking this rather odd bloke in, becoming friends, and helping me sew to greater heights. Well done. Yeah, yeah, they they deserve a mention, because they really are good, and the lady who runs it, Jane, is just astonishing. Just to reiterate, I think sewing is an extraordinary experience it's one that gives great sort of personal satisfaction and if people haven't tried it i think you know it's worth giving it a go and starting slowly and sort of just enjoying the process and the, the sort of happiness of creation that comes from it you know in a world that's sort of almost mad sewing provides quiet creative space and and the other thing about it is you know you don't have to spend very much money mm. you can start like i did you know i had an old sewing machine and not much else you can buy a pattern and do something simple and get enjoyment from it and then if you like it you can go on and do other things and get more equipment and you know books and stuff and so is that the sort of advice you'd give someone who's new to sewing yeah i think what i'd say if you if you're interested in sewing I think it's really important to have the motivation. So make things that make you happy. <laughs> put the, you know, put the wind under your wings and just go slowly and patiently through it and enjoy every step of the way. I wasn't like that to begin with. I was just rushing at things. <laughs> and value it and yourself and move on to the next thing if that's what you want to do. Adam, I'm very honoured to be speaking to yourself, who is a emeritus professor in mathematics and who sews. 
You're a unique person. And as I said, I'm really honoured that you're on the podcast today. So thank you. Thank you very much, Maria. I really enjoyed it. It's uh, I can always bore people to death about saying there's a lot to say. <laughs> it's been very important to me over the last six years or so. And I mean, you've brought out the fact that, you know, sewing is something that you can do to settle your mind. Yes, yes. And that's yes. an important one to for people to know about it is yes and it's something that's a surprise to me and i think mm. it's probably the, the most important thing about sewing at least for me and i i encourage everybody to pick up a needle or a sewing machine pedal and have a go not much risk <laughs> and as you said you know when you're a child a young you know a young boy you oh yes found the sewing machine in the cupboard and you pulled it apart yes i did that Yes, it, yes, indeed. I don't think it ever got put back together, actually. <laughs> so shall we wish everyone a happy Christmas and a happy festive yeah. season? Yes, indeed, yes, at this yeah. uh, at this time of year. Um, hopefully you'll all get sewing machines or sewing books or patterns and uh, the new year will bring new pleasure and, and new clothes for you and your loved ones. He <laughs> here. Indeed. Thanks, Adam. Good to talk to you, Maria. This episode of Sober 50 Podcast on Solgonized Style was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Adam, sound by bensound.com. Listeners, make sure you direct message Judith and Sandy on the Sober 50 Instagram account to let them know that you want to contribute a guest post to the Sober 50 community in 2023. Also, if you're interested in being part of So 50 Live with Bird and Molly for Sober 50, Contact them directly to be part of this interactive community event. If you can't watch it live on the Sober 50 account, you'll always be able to find the recorded version on Sober 50 Instagram. You can subscribe to Soul Organized Style Podcast, but with an S not a Z on all good podcast apps. If YouTube is your thing, a library of Soul Organized Style Podcasts are gradually being loaded onto the YouTube account with a few visuals to show you what we're really chatting about. Make sure you go back and listen to our free Sober 50 podcast archive. And if you can, consider supporting the production of this podcast on Patreon. Many thanks again to the podcast patrons who support this podcast every month. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.